0: Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Natura Dhamma Ki Jai Navajit Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Ki Jai Ganga maya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai Devi Ki Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhaktarinda Ki Gora Premananda All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories to the Assembled Devotees All Glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga All Glories to Shiva Prabhupada Nama Om Vishnupadaya, Krishna Prastaya Bhutale, Mati Vedanta Swami, Nichinomane Namaste Sarasvati Deve, Goravani Pacharne, Nivisaisis, Nivadivas De Satarne. Vande Sri Guru, Shri Utah, Padakamalam Shri Guru, and Vaishnavam Shri Rupam, Sagrajatam Sahagana, Raganatam Vikams Tam Sajivam, Sad Voytham, Sad Sahita, Krishna Chaitanya Deva, Shri Radha Krishna, Padam Sahagana, Lalita Shri Vishakam Vikamsha. Om Namo Bhagavateva Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavateva Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate vasudevaya. September 28, 2019, in Hillsboro, North Carolina, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 11, the Childhood Pastimes of Krishna, Text 56. Api. Although they come to attack, Although They, come to attack, Abhibhavanti, Abhibhavanti. Abhibhavanti. they are able to kill. Anam. This, this boy. Na. Na. Not. Not. Ava. Ava. Certainly. Certainly. Te, all of them, them. Darshanaha, very, very fierce looking, Jighamsaya, Jig-hamsaya. because of envy, Anam, unto Krishna, Asadya, approaching, approaching. Nasyanti. Nasyanti. Nasyanti, are vanquished, are vanquished. Death, death occurs to the aggressor, to the aggressor. Agnel. Agnel, in fire, Patangavat, like, like flies. Translation. Although the causes of death, the daitas, were very fierce, they could not kill this boy Krishna. Rather, because they came to kill innocent boys, as soon as they approached, they themselves were killed, exactly like flies entering a fire. Purport. Nandamarj innocently thought perhaps this boy Krishna formally killed all these demons and therefore in this life they are envious and are attacking him. But Krishna is a fire, and they are flies, and in a fight between fire and flies, the fire is always victorious. Fighting is always taking place between the demons and the power of the Supreme Personality. Paritranaya sadhurnam vina shayataduspritam, Bhagavad Gita 4.8 Anyone who is against the control of the Supreme Personality of Godhead must be killed, life after life. Ordinary living beings are subject to karma, but the Supreme Personality of Godhead is always victorious over the demons. Although the causes of death, the daitas, were very fierce, they could not kill this boy Krishna, rather because they came to kill innocent boys, as soon as they approached, they themselves were killed exactly like flies attacking a fire. Uh, so this is about enmity. The, the thought here that Nandamarsh has is Krishna killed them in another life, so now they want revenge. That was actually true about Kamsa. Uh, Kamsa had been the son of whom in his last life. anybody know? who was fa- Kamsa's father in his previous life Kalanimi, Kalanimi was Kamsa who was Kalanimi's father no, Hiranyakashipu That's right. yeah, his father was Hiranyakashipu and uh, Kalanimi's children became who? Yes, yes, the six sons of Devaki had been, that Kamsa killed were the sons of Kalanimi, the grandsons of Hiranyakashipu in the previous life. You know, when Maharaj Chichiketu had that son that died very young, he said, this son was my enemy in a previous life and he has become my son and died early to give me pain. And this is actually quite common Many times the people who are giving us pain in this life were enemies in another life. And many times the people that we just sort of really don't like, even though there's not that much of a rational reason not to like, you know, we just like intensely don't like them. We had some enmity toward them in another life. And this enmity draws us together just as much as love. Love. You know, if you're, if you're dying thinking of somebody, it doesn't matter whether you're thinking of them as you love them or you hate them. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is true ultimately with Krishna. If you're thinking of Krishna because you hate him. I mean, Pondraka was thinking he was Krishna. And because of that, because he was imitating putting on two fake arms, you know, he ended up getting Swarupya Mukti because he was so absorbed in Krishna, even though he was absorbed in Krishna out of intense envy. But this is true in general. Our what we are thinking about. We talked about the other day how Bhima and Duryodhana were anusmaraming. <laughs> That's the word used in the Bhagavatam. They were mulling they were thinking over and over again, this person hurt me, this person insult me, this person hurt me, this person insult me, this person hurt me, this person insult me. Do we sometimes have thoughts like that, that they were just churning? Does that happen to us sometimes? Somebody insults us or we believe that they insult us. Sometimes people think that we insult them when we didn't intend to insult them. Yes, does this happen? I had a situation in this school in Detroit where right before Prasadam, I got a very upsetting phone call and I said to the other teacher, I'm very upset, I don't think I can eat anything. I couldn't digest it. I said, look, you feed the kids, save me a plate and I need to do some shopping at the temple shop. I'll come back. So the cook was Brazilian, and she had uh, three children in the school. Two of whom had just come from Brazil, like just, 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 and their English was very poor. So they told their father that I had insulted their mother, that I had said, you know, this cooking makes me sick. I'd rather buy something from the store. But I, I didn't know they had said that. I had no idea that they had said that. Just the next day, those kids were out of the school, and the parents were going around the community saying that I had offended the mother in front of the children, that I had insulted the mother in front of the children. And I didn't have a clue as to what happened. I was just scanning my, my thoughts, like, what did, I say? what did I say? What did I say? What did I say? And it was, it was finally two months later, I actually like, locked the door to the temple room, and I told the father, you go in front of the deities and tell me what happened. But for two months, he thought that I had insulted him when I hadn't insulted him at all. Um, And I'm sure, again, we have this kind of situation. We do something, we say something innocently, and somebody becomes extremely offended. Well, we do the same thing. We get offended by things that are nothing. You know, a person was just going about their business, and we, we take offense, and we get insulted. And we can sometimes mold these insults not just in one life, but over many, many, many lifetimes. And, uh, you know, our attachments, both positive and negative, pull us into this world. That Krishna is giving us an opportunity to either be with someone we want to be with or take vengeance against someone. And uh, it's very common that the people we want to take vengeance against are close to us. You know, they become our parents or our uh, siblings or our children or our spouse or somebody that we work with. And so we see this in, again in the story of Kamsa that the, there were these six demigods, and when they saw Lord Brahma was attracted to his daughter, they were mocking him and laughing. <coughs> You know, we we may not take these things seriously, but they're very serious. And because of that, they had to take birth. as demons they took birth as the sons of, the grandsons of Harani So they had to become demons for laughing at Lord Brahma, who who actually did something wrong. It's not that Lord Brahma didn't do something wrong. He knew he did something wrong. And he had to give up that mentality, that subtle body. But because they had this arrogance, look at And then, the arrogance was still there, interestingly enough, because as the grandsons of Hiranyakashipu, they performed austerities, interestingly enough, to please Lord Brahma, who they had laughed at in the previous life. And Hiranyakashipu was so angry, you have performed austerities without my permission. So you could see they still had some pride, but you could also see how easily Hiranyakashipu was offended. And he said, I curse you that your own father will kill you. So then the next life they were the six sons of Devaki and Kamsa, who was called Nimi, killed them. Not realizing that he was killing uh, per- entities who just previous to that had been very close to him in affection. You know, this is the, the way of, of the world. And so Nandamarj is saying here, these demons, probably Krishna killed them in a previous life, and so now they're angry at him. And this was... It, Precisely the situation with Kamsa. In fact, when Narada Muni told Kamsa, you were Kalanimi in your previous life and you were killed by Vishnu, and now Vishnu is going to come again and kill you again. So Kamsa's like, okay, I'm definitely going to kill. And there are so many stories like this in the Shastra to point out the absolute and total idiocy of hanging on to being offended. You know, and that one of the prime stories of this is with Amba, where Amba was at her swine bar with her two sisters, and Bhishma kidnapped these three sisters to take them as wives for his half-brother. But after he kidnapped them, Amba revealed, after she came all the way back to Hastinapur, that she was secretly in love with Shalva. You know, in, in those days, it was not You know, the young men and women were not supposed to really have anything to do with each other before they actually got married, but that didn't always happen. You know, just like we had schools in Iskhan where there were ashram schools and the boys all lived in an ashram and the girls all lived in an ashram and they weren't supposed to see each other, but that didn't always work. You know, it just just the way that things are. Like Usha having dreams about Aniruddha, So this Amba, she had already developed an attachment to Shalva and Shalva to her, and they were going to pretend at the swine bar that that didn't exist. And so Amba was going to garland Shalva as if they hadn't known each other before. So nobody knew that this had gone on. And then when Amba revealed, "I'm in love with Shalva," so Bhishma and Satyavati said, "Well, you know, then." You can't marry Vijay Chavirya if you're already in love with someone else, which is an important point. You know, that they, were, they really cared about the emotional connection of people. That wasn't just not taken into consideration, except in some rare cases like Samba kidnapping Lakshman. I don't like that story. It always bothers me. I always hope that Lakshman eventually falls in love with Samba. Anyway, all right. <laughs> So... Uh, Bhishwa said, well, you know, I I didn't know. He didn't know because it was secret. He said, I I 'I didn't know. He said, well, then, you know, you'll be sent with all honors to Shalva to marry him, and that's what they did. But then Shalva thought that he had been insulted. Instead of taking it that, you know, the Kuru's were respecting his relationship with Amba, he interpreted what happened as an insult. And he said, you've already been kidnapped by Bhishma. You belong to him. I'm, I'm not going to touch you. I have nothing to do with you. Because now you've been taken by another man. And of course, Bhishma was a brahmacharya. He didn't have anything to do with these women uh, whatsoever. And they had, had nothing to do with Vichitavirya. There was, none of that had, nothing had happened whatsoever. But Shalva invented the story in his mind. And he was very insulted. And then Amba was stuck she was stuck that the person she was in love with and wanted to marry had rejected her and she had already rejected Vijay so you know Vijay is not going to want to marry a woman who rejected him who wants to marry a woman? you know if someone says well I don't love you I love somebody else well can you marry me anyway you know who's going to do that that's not pleasing and then she went to Bhishma and she said you're responsible because you kidnapped me without knowing my heart therefore you've insulted me and interesting, Amba didn't take it that Shalva insulted her. Why? Because she loved him. When we love somebody, even when they insult us, we, we excuse it. But she didn't, she didn't put the blame on Shalva. She put the blame. Or to Traveria, she put the blame on Bhishma. And she said, now I'm left unmarried. And... You know, it wasn't that long ago in society that an unmarried woman was was really seen as a, a social a leper kind of in society. Of course, you know, in those days there were renounced women, but that wasn't Amba's situation at all. She was a princess, you know, she expected to be to live as a princess or a queen the rest of her life. She said, Bhishma, you marry me. Now, even if Bhishma hadn't taken a vow of brahmacharya, Would you want to marry someone who married you out of vengeance? I mean, who would do this? You know, I want to marry you because you hurt me and I'm so angry at you. I want you to take responsibility for me as your punishment. Who would agree to such a marriage? But anyway, Bhisma said, I've taken a vow. You know, I can't marry. So then Ambra approached Bhisma's guru, Parasaram, and said, "You have to force your disciple to marry me. That doesn't work very well." You know uh, Sometimes we try to do this in ISKCON. Somebody has a problem, and we can't deal with it, so we go to their guru and we say, "Would you force them to behave?" I've, I've tried this, by the way. I'll just tell you that it doesn't work very well. I, I, don't, I don't advise anybody taking that tact. It's not really effective. I mean, of course, they do that with Krishna, right? The coward women, they go to Mother Yasoda and they say, you know, would you stop Krishna from stealing? And she says, Krishna, you naughty boy. Man. Right? It just doesn't work very well. So anyway, she went to Parasaram and Parasaram told Bhishma, you have to marry this girl. You put her in an awkward situation. And it's explained in regard to the four kumaras that you do not have to obey your guru if he tells you to marry So Bhishma said, sorry, my dear guru, I'm not getting married, I've made a vow, and I consider my vow higher than your order. Now, he could have said, he could have said, legitimately and shastrically, even though I've made a vow, your order is higher than the vow. Does this make sense to everybody? He he would have been justified either way. But I'm also looking at it and thinking, again, why would he want to marry this woman? So, I mean, it just... The, the why, why he chose to, to put his vow as higher than his guru's order might have had something to do with the fact that you wouldn't want to marry a known enemy. Anyway, so Paras said, let's fight and whoever wins the fight will win, which is a kind of interesting way to settle things with your spiritual master. Uh, <laughs> please don't try this at home. So, anyway, Bhishma got into an actual battle a duel with, with Parasaram. and he got to the point of defeating Parasaram and a voice came from the sky. If anybody can ever tell me who that sky voice is, I yeah. always wonder who's the sky voice. Uh, so a voice came from the sky, don't embarrass your guru. Retreat, retreat. So Bhishma said, okay, out of respect for my guru, I retreat, but I have not been defeated. I am not Retreating out of defeat and defeating out of respect. And then Paraswamy said, Okay, you don't need to marry this girl. So then she uh, decided that she couldn't get married. And so, therefore, I mean, maybe she could have, I don't know, but she decided, I'm not going to marry. And she performed austerities, but she didn't perform austerities for the purpose of spiritual realization. And you have to think Krishna was personally on the planet and Bishma is a mahajana. I mean, she had the opportunity, by associating with mahajanas and by having association with Krishna, to become a pure devotee and go back to God. And she could have let go of this whole thing. She could have said, this is the arrangement of the Lord for me to become a renunciate and dedicate my life to Krishna. And I've seen many devotees in the Krishna consciousness movement who do exactly that. You know, they got insulted, they got offended, something fell apart. And I have Prabhupada did that with his own wife. You know, when Prabhupada's wife insulted him, uh, two things, that she wouldn't cook, this is how Prabhupada describes it, that she was so lazy that when the cook was sick, she bought non-devotee food. Prabhupada describes it, that was what was really... You know, that she was so habituated to had to cook, that when the cook was sick, she bought non-devotee food, and that her means of buying it was bartering their vajratan. Those two things together is like, this isn't a fit place for me to live anymore. But he took advantage of that to surrender to Krishna, or Vidura, when Duryodhana said, throw him out with only his breath, which basically could mean be him to the edge of his life. And he thought, oh, an opportunity to become a vanaprasa, same as Srila Prabhupada. Let me take up life, Or King uh, Vena, when when uh, when Prince Vena, when he was killing his friends, and Anga decided, oh, good opportunity for me to take up renunciation. And we've seen this in our Hare Krishna movement also. I know devotees who went through, you know, something catastrophic in their lives where they could have been very offended and very insulted and very angry, and instead they took the opportunity to surrender to Krishna. But Amba didn't do that. And she went to some sages and performed austerities with the view of vengeance. Her view was vengeance. And we should keep in mind that austerities give us shakti. I was just reading yesterday in the fifth canto, Prabhupada, referring to a disciple of Sula Bhakti Siddhanta who wanted to, the property of the Gaudiya month. And Prabhupada said, therefore he got the property of the Math, but he didn't get the real mission of his spiritual master. So if we're chanting Hare Krishna, we're worshiping the Lord, but our view is power, vengeance, power, vengeance, I've been insulted. Krishna may give us that Shakti. He may give us that ability to fulfill our desires. And we may get position, we may get power, we may even get the ability to. You know, cause difficulty to the other devotees, just like Hiranyakashipu did through his austerities. But we don't get Krishna Prema. Uh, so Amba did these austerities and she then had another lifetime, intervening lifetime where she did further austerities. Then finally she took birth at an exatria family again. And in that lifetime she... Uh, became what, a, a trans man you know of course in the Shastras when someone becomes a trans man or a trans woman they don't do it by taking hormones and getting their body parts cut off but they do it through a subtle mystic process so they actually become the other gender they're capable of having babies as the other gender and so forth uh, So, but th- this concept of, of transgender is there in the, in the Shastra but today it's being done in a demoniac way uh, before it was done by mystic power. Anyway, so uh, she became a trans man in that life. That's a whole story. And as a trans man was on the battlefield as a warrior, but when Bhisma saw Shikandi, he could understand. Oh, wait a minute. You know, just like even nowadays, sometimes we see trans people and we think, oh, well, that's not really a man. That's not really. A man. Of course, nowadays with their methods, that's actually a fact they don't know maybe someday they'll figure out the subtle way to do it but at the present time in Kali Yuga they haven't figured it out yet but uh, Bhisma also felt like that this isn't a real man it's actually a woman and so he thought I'm not going to fight with a woman which is also interesting because women did sometimes fight on the battlefield like Kaikeyi was on the battlefield we have instances of Shacharani who were warriors but Bhisma said I'm not going to fight part of the Kshatriya code was that you fight only with equals that it's degrading to fight with somebody who's lesser than you. Uh, He didn't fight, and he was killed in that way, and so that living entity got vengeance. They got their vengeance. But think of this, what a waste of time and energy. What, What a complete waste to go through three lifetimes just for the idea of hurting the person that you imagine hurt you. And I'm very sorry to say that this kind of thing goes on in our Hare Krishna movement. It's not that we're immune from this. These kind of things were happening when Krishna was personally on the planet with people who had the opportunity that Krishna was right there. I mean, he was right there, right in front of them. And devotees like the Pandavas and Bhishma were right there. I mean sometimes we think, well, if Krishna personally became was in front of me, I'd give up all my attachments and I would surrender. Well maybe, maybe not. And the point being made here is Krishna always wins anyway. What is the point of maintaining enmity? Mari Krishna, Rake K, Rake Krishna Mari K. Nobody can hurt me unless Krishna sanctions it anyway. So who's ultimately allowing someone to insult me or to hurt me? Krishna's allowing it. They can't insult me. We were talking about this a little bit yesterday with the law of karma. They can't insult me or hurt me unless Krishna approves. And as Krishna is suradam sarabhutanam, if Krishna approves, it must be something that's beneficial for me. But that doesn't mean I stand there and let somebody beat me up. That's not necessarily the response like, Vidura didn't stay when Duryodhana said, you know, who is, this kept, who is this son of a kept maidservant? Uh, throw him out and leave him with only his breath. Vidura didn't stick around to get beaten. I mean, Haridas Thakura allowed himself to get beaten, but he didn't have much of a choice about that. The government just arrested him. Or Prahlad didn't have much of a choice, his father was the government, but he yeah, had a choice. I mean, Babishan didn't stick around either when he was really insistent with Ravana. You know, you've got to return Sita and, and Ravana, this scene that we used to do in the drama always moved me. Ravana just, you know, threatened to imprison him. So maybe didn't stick around. So it's not necessarily that we stick around and let somebody insult us. Maybe sometimes. I mean, Narada stuck around when Daksha was insulting him because he thought, let Daksha get all his anger out and then maybe after that I can preach to him. So We might do that as a a tactic. So that's not what it means to surrender, that we let people abuse and insult us. But it does mean that we should have a little bit of thought that maybe I'm not, first of all, maybe I'm not really being insulted and offended. Just like people think I insult them when I don't. Maybe I'm interpreting what's happening as different from what's actually happening. Maybe there's not really any insult. Maybe there's not really any how many times have people misinterpreted my actions? And even if they're really insulting and offending me, do I insult and offend people? I mean, am, am I really any better? And how can I use this situation to surrender to Krishna? You know, everything is good. The Prabhupada says in the Purport to 1515, God is all good, God is all merciful. Everything is good. And that means even the so-called bad things are good. So we see instances of the Shastra where there was some insult, there was some offense, and the person became insulted and they became offended and they dedicated themselves, sometimes life after life, to vengeance. And we see instances in the Shastra where there was some insult, there was some offense, and the person said, oh, good opportunity to surrender to Krishna. Good opportunity to increase my Krishna consciousness and not blame the other person and not become offended by the other person. This is our, our choice, how we respond. We can't control the circumstances of our life, but we, of course we can indirectly through our karma, but we can certainly control how we respond and how we, how we are going forward. So questions, comments, and I told Kamalini that she could have the first question. I told you because every class I have a question, but I always let everyone, always let everyone else go first. go first. So today I'm giving you the mic first. So um, as far as this uh, topic of vengeance, how about, like, we don't have any vengeance at all. Like, we actually wish others well. Right. You know, we don't wish anything ill to them, but still we're hurt by them. And and that is like holding a grudge, mm. same, instead of just giving it up. And we learned last night at our doctor, retreat that up you know, we have these uh, anarchists or, um, you know, that just keep surfacing. You think, I'm mm. over it now. Right, right, and right. will trigger it. And again, feel yes. hurt. Yes, yes. Well, the fact that there are feelings of hurt that we experience simply shows that we're alive. <laughs> Jed Barrett, when Maharaj Rehuvana insulted him. And when I read those insults, I think they really weren't that big of a deal. What are you, you know, some old, weak, skinny guy? I mean, what's your problem? It, it, it didn't strike me as like some heavy-duty insult. But it stated specifically in the Bhagavatam that Jadabharata felt waves of dissatisfaction within his mind because of the insults of Maharaj And what he did was he neglected that. We have the instance of Lord Varaham that Hiranyaka was offended, was insulting Lord Barama. Because they do this when they want to fight. That—that, By the way, if you want to insult somebody, do it on the battlefield. That's the time. Because, you know, who really wants to fight? I mean, even if you're a warrior, you know, fighting means like you could literally lose your right arm or your eye or your foot Or or your life. I'm not so worried about losing my life but I, I, I like dying whatever but you know losing your right armor that sounds kind of heavy so there's always some hesitancy even on the part of trained soldiers with such of mood there's some hesitancy and therefore they insult each other because when you insult somebody they want to fight so you see this yes we see this in the scriptures very commonly That when they're on the battlefield, they insult... So Hiranyaksha wanted Varaha to fight. So he was insulting Varaha, and it said that the Lord was pained by the abusive words of the demon, but he tolerated the pain in order to properly situate the earth plan. And Prabhupada writes in his purport that the Lord has feelings. He feels pain when someone insults him. So it means we're alive. But as a... A study I, I read some time ago about anger and why do we feel anger when we're insulted. And the main reason we feel angry when we're insulted is that we're herd animals. And our status in the herd has something to do with our access to resources. If you have a higher status in your herd, you get more resources. And so when people insult us, our, we, we feel on a kind of a primal, biological, animal level that our access to resources for our survival may be hampered. And so our that feeling of being hurt and that feeling of being insulted and that feeling of being offended and that feeling of anger is a biological response meant to protect us so that we'll get enough food and we'll get enough shelter and we'll be able to live. And if we can understand that, you kind of step back a little bit and you go, oh, this feeling of hurt, this... this interpretation that I've been insulted and offended, is part of Krishna's intelligent biological system wired into my body and mind to protect my body in this world. But mm-hmm. who's protecting me? Yoga, Kshem, Lava, Yaha. My access to food, my access to shelter, my access to friends, is not determined by other jivas. It's determined by God. And that way we can look at the, at that feeling of hurt and insult and, you know, fear, whatever, anger, and just, that's not me. And that feeling is a product of the mode mm, of... No, ignorance mostly. Mostly ignorance. That's my name. Yeah. Mostly ignorance. Some and then we don't take it seriously. We don't mull it. The problem is when we, we knew and we talked, I've been guilty of this, believe me, and we talked to everybody about, you know, that person told me, this person, that's offended me, this person, and then you know what? We never go on to verse 4 of the Shikshasaka. We, we can't, if we can't get past verse 3, you know, we never get to verse 4. And verse five, and verse six, and verse seven. We never, we never get there. We can't get past verse three. Not expecting any respect from myself. Did you have a question? Oh, I have a question from um, from the internet. Okay. So this question is from Yamuna. This is a question. This is a question from Yamuna Havani from Costa Rica. Whoa. And her question is. Hi, from Costa Rica. How about when you are close to people who constantly battle among each other? How can one advise them to clean up that toxic relationship they are family? Yes. Well, always remember how hard it is to fix ourselves. Whenever anybody asks how to fix someone else, my answer is. Can you fix yourself? I have been a failure over and over and over and over and over and over again at fixing myself. I have tried to fix things in myself and sometimes, like you said, I think I got it. I fixed it! It's fixed! And sometimes three, four years go by and I don't have a problem with it at all and I'm like, woohoo! And then something happens and I'm like, oh my God. I just acted like that again. I'm convinced the only person who can fix us is God. That only Krishna can cleanse the anarchists. And therefore, Bhaktisiddhanta says, don't try to be the reformer of anybody else. He says, no one is without the highest guidance. Rather reform yourself. The best thing we can do for others, set an example, pray for them and say, My dear Lord Krishna, you're in their heart, you're giving them the highest values. You help us. Rather than thinking I'm going to be the reformer of another person. That's the role of God. Thank you very much for your hospitality here and Mukaloka.